Welcome in to another episode of the Half Court Press. I'm John Niatawa, joined by Chris Hetty. Nebraska has a basketball coach. They do. Didn't take long. A brand new one. Uh, the Huskers hired Fred Hoiberg on Saturday, officially announced it. Um, and it's big news. I don't know. The most, is it too hyperbole to say something like the biggest potential turning point in program history? I mean, probably. <laughs> I mean, it's we, probably too big. It's probably a lot, but it's also not like completely off base. Mm-hmm. Like it's a watershed moment in the program's history. What? What was Saturday like, and uh, how have Husker fans reacted to the news that, that Fred Hoiberg's on staff? And um, I guess, yeah, just what's your reaction to it? Um, I was going to have a lazy day on Saturday and not do a whole lot and, like, watch basketball and maybe take a nap. And I got a phone call in the morning and from a source that was like, it's done. Oh, okay. Um, so hired, signed, finalizes the deal. Um, $3.5 million a year, which is biggest in school history and, uh, you know, 11th highest in the country, second or third highest in the big 10. Um, it was surreal. I mean, like, I think that we all knew that this was coming, but for it to finally be finalized and done, we had talked about it last week about how, you know, Bill Moose had said seven to 14 days and we thought it would be earlier on the early side of that. Um, and it was, um, and now, um, you know, he was in Washington D.C. for the for his son's Michigan State games. Fred was. Uh, Fred was, yeah. Um, he's flying to Chicago to drop his kids off, I believe, because they have to go to school today. Um, it's Monday. We're recording it's Monday, this on the Monday, right? Yeah. So he, they, his two younger twin sons had to go to school. Uh, he needed to get a suit, and uh, he'll either be in. Nebraska's either here now or he will be here tomorrow and there'll be a press conference tomorrow afternoon and it'll be officially you know on you know start rolling um and I think that the reaction has been uh you know you know we've quote unquote known for a while this is probably going to happen but I think once it actually happened Nebraska fans bless their heart are always hesitant to be happy and hesitant to like go all in because they've been hurt so many times I mean just look at this season um, I think once it was official, there was kind of this like total exuberance from Nebraska fans where it was like, oh my gosh, this is actually happening. Like this is a real thing. Um, yeah. a lot of people changing their Twitter profile pictures to Fred Hoiberg already. There was a shirt, um, by BB, I think it's triple B printing that already has a, you know, Hoiberg, uh, for mayor shirt for sale. Ben Sass had already was caught running in D.C. with a Hoiberg for mayor shirt on. There were signs that went up in Lincoln already. So, like, total mass hysteria to the point where, like, honestly, kind of close to what it was like when Scott Frost was hired. I know. I was about to say that. I don't think you know, often get sort of a unity with a fan base in terms of full support or maybe on the other side, full frustration yeah. and, and maybe a negative reaction to a hire. I mean, this is... As good as it could possibly get. Right. Yeah. And, and you understand why, because I, yeah. we've said this before but on this podcast, but if, and, I mean, name a program that's not Duke, North Carolina, one of the Blue Bloods, everybody else, if they made a wish list of candidates, if they had a head coaching vacancy going into this offseason, off season, they made a wish list of candidates, most of them, if not all of them, would have Fred Hoiberg top five, top three. Yeah. I mean, he is, he would, 
it's funny because like the coaching carousel just started. Yeah. Um, but he he's he would be at the top top of the list for a lot of people and a highly sought after person. Yeah. In Nebraska, to its credit, to Bill Moose's credit, um, kind of got out in front of it. It felt like mm-hmm. reached out to him, found out there was interest, and got the deal done as quickly as it could. And you again commend Nebraska for doing that. And that's why. But to get a name like Fred Hoiberg, a guy who's obviously had success um, at, at this level before, and <laughs> had so much success that that an NBA team and the Bulls reached out and said, "Come coach our our, right. our franchise." I mean, I think the biggest difference is like there. I think with like Tim Miles hire, there was a lot of like that's good for Nebraska. That's a good that that's a, that's a good for Nebraska hire, and. With this hire, it's, you know, that's a good hire. Not, it doesn't matter for what program no around doubt, the country. Yeah. This is a good hire. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways, you know, we've been told that he's already, you know, hired two people that are going to be on his staff. One is um, Matt Abdelmassi, who's a great recruiter. Um, he's coming from St. John's. He was, at the, he was on the Iowa State staff. He was the one that got Royce White to transfer. Um, and a couple other people that, that made some pretty program changers. Quick side um, note on, yeah. on uh, Abdul Massey. Yeah. So he's at, he was at St. John's previously. Mm-hmm. If you look at St. John's roster, um, I would say five of its best six players are transfers, and he's the guy kind of known as the transfer guru. Yeah. So aside from Shamori Pons, who was their top player, but everybody else, uh, Marvin Clark, Justin Simon, um, Mustafa Heron, um, their big guy, CD, Keta CD. Uh, oh, and their Juco transfer, uh, uh, LJ Figueroa. Now, I'm not sure if he was the lead recruiter on all those guys, but I kind of yeah, sure was... give him credit, right? I I'm think sure he, he was got... involved, yeah. Yeah, I know he was involved with, with some of the top guys like Simon Clark and, and uh, Heron, the uh, big name transfers. But so St. John's had a lot of talent and, mm-hmm. you know, ended up earning 11 seed and, and things didn't work out the way it had hoped. But, um, there's a way, even if you don't, like, you can, there, there's a little bit of a myth that Fred Horberg never recruited at the high school level during his time at Iowa State. That's not true. That's he, not he, true. he brought some guys in yeah. um, that uh, were pretty good, Monte Morris, uh, yeah. George Niang. But you can also win with a lot of transfers, too. Yeah, and, and so, I, think, I think that. And, and that formula has worked. Um, it worked for them at Iowa State, yeah. and then it worked for uh, Abdul Massey at. St. John's, John's and, yeah. Massey and uh, Abdul Massey and and uh, and Chris Mullen there. To I mean, they brought the program out of the doldrums and gave them a chance to do something special this year. So, well, it's interesting that of like, it's one thing for me. I mean, I think that Fred Hoiberg obviously saw something at Nebraska, and we'll get to talk to him tomorrow, and we'll talk a little bit here and a little you know further on in the podcast about what we expect for, from him to say and kind of what we think tomorrow will go like. But it says a lot to me that someone like Matt Abdelmassi, who is this recruiting guru, that he looked at Nebraska and he saw the facilities and he saw, even if he hasn't seen it in person yet, he looked at Nebraska and said, yeah, I can recruit there. And I think that that's a big myth, that you can't recruit to Nebraska. It's hard to recruit. I've said it a million times. It is, and believe it, it is harder to recruit to Nebraska than a lot of schools. Because you're going out of your... right region most of the time but for him to, for him to look at nebraska and be like yeah i can do that that says a lot about where the program is what his trust in fred hoiberg is and this is someone that goes back with fred um they met when they were um at the timberwolves so in like late 2000s 
Um, and then they, and then the other person that Fred's already hired is Charlie Henry, who was the G League head coach for the Chicago. I don't. It's not the Bulls, like the Hawks or Nighthawks or something. Mm. It's the G League team. Um, he was an assistant for one year with Hoiberg at Iowa State. Before that, he was the direct Windy City Bulls. That's what it is. Um, uh, and he was the director of player personnel before he was an assistant, and that was also at Ohio State, or excuse me, at Iowa State. I think my hunch is that he's going to be like the director of ops. Um, I don't know if he'll be an assistant coach. So then they technically. If that's the case, then they have two more assistants to hire. So it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll some we'll programs. I think even in basketball, because football, this is like commonplace now for most power five programs. They have per- player personnel guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think some basketball programs have maybe that. maybe that's what his his position maybe will be. Maybe a chief of staff. I've seen that. Yeah, uh, that job out there. I think maybe, Creighton has an assistant to the head coach. Maybe he'll be what Mark Bame is. Uh, yeah, you know, but Mark Bame doesn't necessarily have. Or correct me if I'm wrong. Does he have um, decisions on roster? No impact that way. No. You would think he, he, given his experience, sure, yeah, he would have. I that mean, yeah. Impact. So that's the one thing is I'm curious what his role will be. It'll gotcha. be interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, things are rolling, and and obviously, um, just real quick on the makeup yeah. of the staff. What yeah. is, is there anything that you think Fred needs in particular? Like he's he's brought a couple guys that he's really comfortable with, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, there's still more spots. Maybe it's too early to tell, and and he. He knows what he's doing, but so we don't have to give him advice. But I, I guess I wonder <laughs> what you think when you look at an ideal makeup for a college basketball staff. Like, what else? What other pieces does does he need yeah. more experience? Does he need like kind of that veteran? Because I know when Creighton lost um, Darren DeVries last year, he he took the Drake job. They were pretty adamant about like let's find a coach with some experience mm-hmm. who um, maybe has some ties to the defensive side of the ball that can help us game plan that way. And mm-hmm. then they went and hired uh, the Paul Lusk, who was fired at Missouri State. What do you envision for these other two yeah. assistant roles? I if mean, indeed um, those are the two that are open. Yeah, I mean, there's at least one open. Yeah, right. Um, so, I mean, I think that that what Fred would probably really benefit from is a coach that has experience in the Big Ten. Um, that's one thing that, you know, just, just covering Scott Frost's first year, that whole coaching staff, I mean, they had experience all over, but they were blindsided by the just how big and tough and physical Big Ten defenses work because they hadn't they hadn't seen it before they did they just they had no experience with it and so I'm curious if it would benefit Fred to have someone who I mean he I've been told that he likes to have a former head coach on his team and mm-hmm. so of of the people that he's hired there none of them are head coaches so I imagine there might be some former head coach out there um, who he would want to bring on a little bit older. Um, and then in addition to that, maybe someone who has some Big Ten experience as an assistant on a staff somewhere. I also just from talking with um, I had a long conversation with Jim Molinari earlier in the season about kind of his role as being an assistant to Tim Miles. And one of the things that he said um, that coaches in general really want is they just want to look at the bench or they just want to in practice look over at an assistant coach who has been there before and been a head coach so that they can kind of commiserate together. Because you have to do so many different things as a head coach. And assistants don't have to grip and grin and do all these things. I mean, kiss babies and go on the radio and just do all these different things. And I think sometimes head basketball coaches just want to look at, you know, go into somebody else's office and be like, man, this sucks. And then the other assistant coach be like, I know, I've been there. And so I think that that's, you know, probably why he wants a former head coach. So I think that what what's quote unquote missing would be someone that can 
sit down with Fred and say, listen, it might not seem like it's going to be hard to go play at Northwestern on a Tuesday night, but it's a lot harder than you think it is. And it's not like going to play, you know, Texas Tech when before they hired Chris Beard, yeah, like when Texas Tech was, or uh, Baylor. TCU. Yeah. And so I, I just, just think that, that vibe, I yeah. think they would probably benefit from that. Then again, Fred's, you know, he won at Iowa State. I mean, I think he can win here too with whatever he has. Um, but he did have Doc Sadler on his staff. So, like, he does have, he does like to have former head coaches. So, um, so Fred, Ho- we're, again, we're recording this on a Monday. So, if you're listening on Tuesday, um, this, this press conference may have already happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I am kind of curious what you think Nebraska fans might want to hear from Fred mm-hmm. when he speaks on Tuesday. Was it 3 p.m.? 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. I, I know you'll have some good questions in our staff. I mean, by the way, if you have not read, You've done a great job covering this uh, news story over the past week, and a lot of other other colleagues have also contributed. So, I mean, check out omaha.com slash Big Red. There's so much good stuff there. And we've got a really good deal, by the way, uh, not to self-plug for a second, but a really good uh, sports-only deal. What was it, like 99 cents or something? For the first month. For the first yeah. month? I mean, yeah. come on. There's no excuse. What Get, I always tell people is like, just try it for a month, and if you hate us, then cancel it. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. It's, we're talking about a dollar here. Yeah. But anyway, there'll be you guys will have some good questions. You'll get some good stuff from Fred. But what do you think fans want to hear? Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. Fred is a is reserved. He's nothing like Tim Miles in a lot of ways, and so I don't think he's going to come out in big big rah rah. I think what fans want to hear is a coach that like almost promises them like we're gonna we're gonna go to the NCAA tournament we're going to win i've done it before and we, we're going to do this. almost like confirms what they want like yeah. echoing them yeah like fans are like we want to win an ncaa tournament game we think we can compete in the big 10 yeah we have all this money we're here supporting you do it yeah. and, yeah, I think, and so he they, they'd I like think, for him to say that yeah i okay. think what fred like i think about it, uh, you know scott frost when was hired everything scott frost said it was almost like he talked to 12,000 fans and boiled them all down into quotes. It, yeah, he was you like know? it was like he was at a sports bar yes. bantering back and forth with right. like 20 Husker Where he's fans. Like, like we do yeah. need to get bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do need to be a bully in the yeah. Big 10. Like we do need to do this and that. And so I think that so if you want to take that same thing with Fred of like he's speaking Nebraska's same language, I think that he wants people want to hear him say um there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to win a Big, uh, big 10 title. There's no reason why we should be able to you know, compete in the top, you know, half of the Big Ten. You know, we've got the facilities. We have incredible fan support. Uh, I've done it before. I really want to be back in the college game. I think they, I think fans will really want to know, like, why are you here? Like, why, why, like, are you just using us to get somewhere else? Do you want to be here for the long haul? Like, what's your angle here? Mm-hmm. And I think Fred will, will talk about, he's definitely going to talk about his grandfather, Jerry Bush, um, who I had the pleasure of uh, combing through uh, the archives last yesterday to do a story on Jerry. And there was this two weeks period where he um, beat KU and beat K state. And they were both ranked one and kind of set the, set the world on fire a little bit in Lincoln. Um, and that kind of fueled the love that the Hoiberg family has for Lincoln. And so I imagine we'll hear a little bit about the connections that he has to Nebraska so that people can actually believe him that he wants to be here. Um, but I think that, that what fans will want to hear most is just him basically say, there's no reason why we can't ha- be successful here when every other school can theoretically have success. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing wrong with this place. Yeah. 
What do you think? What do you no, think? That's that perfect. Pain, yeah? I think that's perfect. And actually, I think it kind of ties into something else that I wanted to talk about today, which is like, you know, why not Nebraska? And conversely, or, or not conversely, but um, including uh, also extended out to why not Creighton? Yeah. I think that both schools that we cover have gotten to this point in their history where they just, they're sort of standing at a brick wall and they can't figure out how to break through the barrier. Mm -hmm. Nebraska's trying to get to the NCAA tournament and win a game. Creighton is trying to establish itself as like a top 30, top 40 program consistently and get to the sweet 16. Yeah. It's, I think someone tweeted out this week that they listed off the teams the most the teams with the most NCAA tournaments without a Final Four, and Creighton is like top five. Really, um, and and I've shared this stat before, where Creighton leads the country in NCAA tournament appearances over the last twenty years without an NCAA tournament birth or without an NCAA Sweet Sixteen birth mm-hmm. appearance, and uh, Nebraska obviously hasn't gotten that NCAA tournament win. So, it, I've watched the basketball so far these last these first two weekends of the NCAA tournament, sort of with through the lens of. What, What's what do you need take? to do? Yeah, yeah what, what, because this tournament's been different in that I feel like we've seen a lot of teams break through um, and do things that they haven't done before. And I wonder, like, what's the formula? So I've kind of monitored. Because we have three, three of the Final Four have never been to the Final Four. Is that right? Or is it just two? Texas Tech and Auburn, first Final Four. Uh Tony Vir- Bennett. Virginia is first Final Four since 84. Okay. But it's the first under Tony Bennett. Yeah. And they were playing Purdue, who hadn't been since eight, 1980, hmm. which, uh, but they hadn't been, so the, obviously they hadn't been under Matt, Matt Painter yet. Um, so Purdue was trying to break through. Virginia Tech's another team that I think of because they hadn't made a Sweet 16 since like the 60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were a, a bucket away from going to the Elite Eight or a tipping away from going to the Elite Eight. Um, programs like that that I really just sort of I, w- I was curious to hear what the players said what the coach coach said what coaches said leading up to the game after it just about what it took to kind of get to this moment and to succeed when you got there it Auburn was now for, first off you, you got to have good coaches and good players and you got to be lucky I mean Auburn was it essentially almost gave that game away oh, first yeah. round. I mean the dude I mean the dude was why New Mexico State that he was wide open in the corner. Mm-hmm. Just airballed the shot. Um so there's some luck. Exactly. Yeah. You could have could have easily had a seen a scenario where Auburn's out in the first round and we're not even talking about Bruce Pearl and such an amazing breakthrough moment for mm-hmm. this program. But they're here. So you gotta be lucky a little bit. But two things like really stood out to me based on comments that I saw and the way guys kind of carried themselves. And to me, it was a unity of purpose and vision. Um, Buzz Williams had a quote where he said, we've got everyone pulling on this in the same direction. So he's, he joined that program maybe five years ago or whatever. And they were very bad his Mm -hmm. first year, but everyone sort of in step looking at the same goal in mind. And I think the other thing is while you're in pursuit of that goal with everyone sort of walking together, toward it you have to have this sort of unflappable dogged determined confidence just sort of uh i don't know tony bennett said burning desire like we had a burning desire to get to the final four this year um you, you, where you're, you're not deterred or 
doubt that creeps in that's human nature doesn't affect you because you're so committed to this belief that you've got the goods and it's your time now to, to take it over. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of these programs that have done that have had those two elements where they've, I mean, when I say unity of vision, I'm not, I'm not talking players and coaches, just I'm talking everybody from the AD all the way down to, you know, the team secretary, everyone has that same, they're all in this together. It's nothing, nothing, nobody's pulling from different directions. Mm -hmm. And then as part of that, all these, everyone who's involved just, you know, there's a certain standard, certain culture there where you're just going to, you know, it was interesting to hear some of the Texas Tech players talk because, you know, Texas Tech hadn't done anything, you know, (laughs) hardly at all in its program history. And Bob Knight was there, by the way. Right. So a lot of times, you know, you'll hear people say, well, just get a good coach and that's all that matters. No, I mean, Bob Knight sure is toward the tail end of his career, but yeah, Bob Knight, man. Right, yeah. You would think that that would be the moment, and he didn't win there. Tubby Smith was there. Tubby Smith's a good coach, too. Didn't win there. So it's not just that. There's also good coaches that haven't made the Final Four or haven't, I mean, Nick Cronin at Cincinnati hasn't made the Sweet 16 yet. That doesn't mean they're not good coaches. They're great coaches, but there's still something, there's something, there's another element there. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's, um, yeah, like I was going to say, with Texas Tech, their players, man, like when people ask, at least in this tournament, I was just sort of reading through their quotes and watching press conferences, when people would ask them about, you know, the doubters or doing something that had never been done, I, like repeatedly I just heard them talking about playing hard. Mm-hmm. It's like it, their focus wasn't on whether they could or couldn't do it. It was just like, let's just kill these guys right. with toughness and tenacity. Like that's who we are. So let's just be who we are. Yeah. Because if we are who we are, then we are going to get there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Bruce Pearl said something like, you know, there was never a doubt in our minds that we would be here in this moment. Like after they beat Kentucky, he said this after the, the game. It's like, there was never a doubt in our mind that we would be here. And they had an up and down season. Auburn did. They didn't beat anybody good until like mid-February. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were 7-7 seven and seven in the SEC at one point. So there were a lot of moments when they probably could have thought, uh, wavered a little bit. But that I think that struck me too. It's just like not being able to get knocked off course. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Creighton has had one at half of that. I think they've had everyone pulling in the right direction. But at times, I've only covered the team for three years. But I do feel like in those pivotal moments, there's that mental piece of just being totally um, un- like stable. Yeah. Just un- Unequivocally, Unmove, just unmovable. Yeah. You're, you're, you are who you are, and it doesn't matter what anyone else does. You're still going to get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. I feel like that piece is what Creighton's still trying to cultivate. Um, whereas Nebraska might be missing, might have been missing both mm-hmm. yeah. of those. That was really good. What you just said was great. That all of that was great. Two thoughts. Yeah, go ahead. First, on the idea, and second on Nebraska. First, think about the Final Four this year. You've got Texas Tech, Michigan State. Auburn and Virginia and I'm going to leave Auburn out a little bit but but think about the other three we'll start with Texas Tech they are who they are to a fierce degree they are the best defense in the country and they defend like the hoop is like like they are never like they're going to die if they give up a shot I mean they defend harder than I've seen teams like in a long time I mean they they defend like crazy because that's who they are because their unity is on that side of the ball. And then, they f- and then it's almost like they kind of figure it out on the other end, you know? And so I feel like when I watch Texas Tech, they would rather 
lose by 20 by playing the way they play than win, like, not being themselves. You do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, they are so themselves, and they're so, there's a unity there. And you look at Michigan State, they, they lost a lottery pick this year in Joshua Langford, and they were still able to make it to the Final Four because of Tom Izzo, sure, but because that team is so uniquely united. When you, when you look at the national media, people freaking out that Tom Izzo is screaming at a player, and that player comes back and is like, well, yeah, he screamed at me. I messed up. And he's not hurt by it, and it's not a distraction, and everybody moves on. That is a program that has one focus, and it's not anything else that's going on around it. There's no distractions. It does not matter if the national media is trying to get at Tom Izzo. It doesn't matter. But Virginia, who was embarrassed last year and should have been embarrassed last year, they are now in the Final Four, first time with Tony Bennett, and they are, similar to Texas Tech, so uniquely themselves. They are so united, they know exactly who they are. I actively root against boring things. Wisconsin football and Virginia basketball are two boring things, but I respect Tony Bennett and I respect Virginia because there is a pull, there is a desire, there is one unique purpose, and they, they ended up accomplishing it. When it comes to Nebraska, in the last couple of years under Tim Miles, there has not been that one driving force. And that part, of, part of this comes with, if you are a successful program, you get to a point where it's like, okay, Final Four. Like, we can make the Final Four this year. Now, Nebraska was never going to make the Final Four this year, right? It, it's, it's always about just getting the tournament and winning one game. Right. And that's the, that's the first step, is you have to do that before you can say, we're going to make a deep run. Like, it's almost like Nebraska is like one step behind Creighton. But Creighton, Creighton's to the point where they should be saying, we need to get to the Final Four. We need to get to the Elite Eight. And so the thing, I think, with the Tim Miles era was I never sensed other than that 2013-14 run, after that, I never sensed a, like, this is who we are, this is how we're going to do things, this is what we're going to do, and it doesn't matter. There were, I mean, Nebraska is a, there are so many reporters and so much attention and so many fans and so many eyes that the head coaching job in Nebraska is, is you're kind of like a politician. People look for you for, like, direction in their lives sometimes, you know? And so I think that can become... A distraction. I think because Tim was the way he was, he took a lot of that on and he inter- internalized it. And it just, things started to kind of come apart. And I think one thing that's going to be a challenge for Fred Hoiberg, but was clear at Iowa State, they knew who they were at Iowa State. I mean, they knew exactly who they were. That, you don't win two Big 12 tournaments in a row on accident. I mean, there's some purpose there. And there's a reason why they're getting the band back together and bringing in Matt Abdelmassi and Charlie Henry and uh, whoever else. And so that's one thing at Nebraska where, like, I don't see the program as totally broken. I don't think this is Mike Riley coming in after Bo Pelini, where Bo Pelini set the bridge on fire and then walked away, or even Scott Frost coming in after Mike Riley, where he, like, saw half a bridge built and was like, we have to redo this because we need to actually build a sidewalk instead of a bridge. You know, like just had to redo everything. I think what Hoiberg is coming into is it's not broken, but there is a, there hasn't been that one thing, that one, we're going to, we're going to, this is who we're going to be. This is, you know, the kind of that drive that we're talking about. And with Creighton, it's interesting because I feel like they're closer 
to that than Nebraska is currently, even though they just hired Fred Hoiberg. But I also feel like if Creighton continues the way they are, I feel like in three or four years, Nebraska could be further along than Creighton is. For, for whatever reason, just because I feel like I, Creighton has just been so stagnant well, I think that Creighton, I'm curious well, if they can, Creighton you know has what I mean? like pulsed. Yeah. They pulsed. Yeah. Um, they, they peaked Doug McDermott's senior year. They peaked um, Maurice Watson's senior year with Justin Patton and Kyrie Thomas and Marcus Foster, that team. And I think the hope is, is that it will peak when again. When you peak, you peak hard. Yeah, yeah. And you peak again when this group is Tyshawn Alexander's a senior, Mitch Ballack's a senior, Marcus Zagorowski's a junior, that mm-hmm. type of thing. So in two years, you hit that peak again. And, you know, it's hard to measure it. it I think you can make an argument that March results aside, and, you know, injuries have played a part in this, but I think that you can make an argument that Creighton's trend has been pointed upward. It's just like gradually going upward despite the pulsing, like the up and down. If but you, the, if the you were to take an average, still, yeah, like yeah. the pulse, the pulse in, in 2014, if we're just doing some arbitrary sort of measurement of what your program status is, you know, the pulse in 27 or in Doug McDermott's year was just a little bit lower than it was in 2016-17 when Maurice Watson led that team before Watson went down with an injury. I mean, they were top 10 in the country for like 10 weeks, and they looked like a top one or two seed, probably a two seed in the NCAA tournament until he got hurt. So that pulse was just a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. And then, so again, I, from an optimistic standpoint, you're like, well, maybe this group, the next one, the next one will be just a little bit higher. That's a good point. Find, it's a really good point. Um, they'll find their footing. But it, I think that's the frustrating thing is like, for some programs, it has taken a lot of time. You know, sometimes it, it, it's not as easy as just everything kind of working and clicking together. But mm-hmm. then on the other hand, there's other programs where, I mean, it's well, worked right away. Yeah, <laughs> and and they found uh, they've made that jump right when they've had the opportunity when they've had when they've been in the moment to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Like they've done it. Ms. Ms. Or or there's the opposite where like I, I was talking with someone. So there's a I can't remember his first name, Coach Mann, I think is his name. He was on uh, Fred Hoiberg's staff, and he's currently at Missouri. And I was talking with somebody about Missouri basketball in general. And you go back and think about, I mean, they were, man, they were good in the late 2000s. Um, Phil Pressey, the Pressey brothers, you mm. know, they had, I mean, they had some good dudes. And, oh, I was talking about Mike Anderson, because Mike Anderson was the head coach. When they had that opportunity, they were a two seed. Oh, yeah. They lose to Norfolk State, yeah. and they've never really recovered, you know? And then they have to fire Mike Anderson leaves and they bring in. I mean, it's just never, or you could like Indiana where like Indiana has kind of been there. I mean, they've been number one in the country or they've, you know, you won the big 10 or whatever, but maybe Indiana under Tom Green. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and then now it's like Archie Miller and they got to right. try and kind of figure it out again. And so like, it, you, it you, does, have to, you have it, to kudos like an Auburn right now. Who's taking advantage of it. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. There's this piece to where there's, there's always pressure to perform and to do something, especially when you're trying to do something that you've never done. Like you can't deny that there's a weight that exists mm. with, you know, if I'm Nebraska, if I'm playing for Nebraska, I know that I, our program's never won a game in the NCAA tournament. If I'm playing for Creighton, I know we haven't won a sweet 16 or haven't been to the sweet 16 before. Like, you know that. So how do you handle that when you get the opportunity to step on the big stage and prove yourself? Mm-hmm. And I, I do kind of feel like Creighton over the last, five years has not when it's had the chance it hasn't handled it well um matt painter said something 
I think it was before the game against Virginia. It was like pressure doesn't exist exist if you prepare if you're prepared or something mm-hmm. like that. If you're well prepared, pressure pressure doesn't exist. But my counter question to that would have been like, how do you prepare for something you've never experienced before? Mm-hmm. So like, how did how does Purdue players how do Purdue players who are planning to go to the first their program's first Final Four in 1980? How do they fe- how do they prepare for that moment? Like, how do you know how to handle that? Mm-hmm. And so, part of it is just hope hope that well, it's we, already ingrained in your culture. Yeah. And we talked, we kind of talked, talked about, about like about you got to be lucky. Yeah. You have to, you have to, and, and you have to, you, and you need good coaches and you need good players. Yeah. But there's that mental piece of just being able to rise to to your peak. That, I mean, because when we talk about Creighton's recent NCAA tournament flops, duds. Like its best players have not performed well in those mm. moments. Doug McDermott didn't play well against Baylor. Well, nobody did. <laughs> um, Marcus Foster didn't have good games against uh, Rhode Island or Kansas State, and Justin Patton didn't have a good game against Rhode Island. I mean, the best players haven't showed up, and so the question of that is just why? What, what, what are the pieces there? And there's probably not a, a clear-cut answer, but I do feel like it has something to do with sort of that, um, that gene within the mentality of an of a athlete or a competitor who just knows how to figure out how to rise to that moment. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe the coaching staff and that the culture has evolved to a point where they'll be able to better handle it when they get there. But I think that to me is one of the bigger questions for Creighton. And it will be one of the bigger questions for Nebraska too, because Fred Horberg, we know is going to put Nebraska in a position to win a tournament game, mm-hmm. but yes, will there be a, a weight so significant from the fans and the players feeling it that when they get there, they flop. Creighton, same thing. I think Creighton yeah. has the talent, the ability to get to where it's going to have a team good enough to get to the Sweet 16, if not next year, the year after, um, the year after that. Like it's trending in that way. I'll say but this. What do they do when they get that? Yeah, I, I will say this. I do get this feeling that there's almost less pressure on Fred Hoiberg than there was on Tim Miles. I think with Fred Hoiberg. In a similar way as with Scott Frost, he's going to get time. People are going to be patient with him. Now, Nebraska basketball fans in general, to their, I mean, and they should be this way. They want, man, do they want NCAA tournament win. And so if Nebraska makes the NCAA tournament next year or two years from now, I don't think there will be this dread of like, oh, what if we lose again? We better not lose this time. I feel like if Nebraska goes into a tournament, like I feel like if Nebraska goes into a tournament, Fred Hoiberg's second year, just like Tim Miles, and they lose, I think there will be a confidence of they're going to go back. They're mm. going to be there again. Mm. And so I don't think that, you know, I think it felt like with Tim Miles or even in the last, the last four coaches, there was this sense of like, we better win an NCAA tournament now because God knows when we're going to be back. I feel like with Hoiberg, there's going to be this sense of like, well, if they're there now, they're going to be back again, and there's a confidence there. And so it's interesting to me of like, I mean, this is the difference between fan perception and the players themselves. The players themselves, if they've never been to a tournament game, I mean, you never know what happens. But I do, I do get this sense, and I may, be, I, I, mean, I may be off, but I do get this sense that fans are so happy and so okay with this hire. There's no one I have talked to that has a rational thought that goes against why this is a bad hire. If you... Want to give me the example of like, well, he was a failed NBA coach. That's just yeah. so was Jim. So so was John Calipari. Move on. And John, yeah. yeah, it's just Next. that's not that's yeah. a void. Yeah. And so I think that because it, because he he did what he did at Iowa State because he's as young as he is, 
and that he has a connection here, there is going to be this confidence and this patience of like, you know what, Fred, do what you got to do. I know you're going to get there. And if you don't win it the very first time, then we're going to just continue to believe in you, you know? Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously. I, 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 and you know, we got a great new chapter to this rivalry too. Oh, yes. That's going to be good. It's going to be fantastic. Do you think it along? Do they know each other? Do you know? I mean, I, I, I think they know them each other. I don't think that it's, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're like best friends. Yeah. But I also don't think that it's also, con- it's contentious either. Contentious either. So, um, that'll be interesting to navigate. Won't that be fun? That relationship. And it's in Omaha next year too. Right. I kind of like that. A lot of Creighton players, I'm sure, will have uh, a a uh, motivation to right some wrongs after last year. Um, one one Creighton player who won't be as part oh, of the right, team anymore sorry. is Samson Furling, and uh, he played sparingly this season. I would say. I mean, early he kind of showed flashes that he may be a regular contributor, but as the season wore on, and I think the way that matchups sort of played out in the Big East, there were a lot of sort of more small ballish teams in the league, and it just didn't quite fit um, from a defensive standpoint more than anything. Mm-hmm. Having Samson on the floor, so his minutes saw it's his minutes decrease as as the season went on. But he decided it was announced today, Monday, that he will be uh, forgoing his college eligibility and playing overseas in Australia. And uh, to me, I mean, you know, good luck to him. I, I hope he does well. I think he does have an intriguing game that it does need some development but he could be um he's, I mean, he's got a jump shot a lot of skill for a guy his size like i'm interested to see him improve um, but he's going to play a semi-pro ball um in, in a, a league in australia that just started this year so um you know i don't i never am really that critical of, of players who make the decisions that they believe is in the best interest mm-hmm. of their career because it's their career right and they only get such a there's such a short window of how much time you're able to play this sport that you want to maximize it as best you can, and so I don't have a problem with that. But from from Creighton's standpoint, I think what's notable is that, um, you know, they have promise in Christian Bishop and Jacob Epperson's going to come back from injury. Still don't know what Martine Crumple's going to decide, but if he chooses to come back, they're they're okay mm-hmm. um, at that spot. If not, they're going to have to go get um, a big to help fortify some depth but next year aside i think the the only thing that kind of stands out to me about froling's decision is just that the jays are seem to be constantly in this position where they are trying to build depth and they can't um you know again we'll see what what other moves are made over the off season but the last few seasons there's been a key injury at a spot where they just hadn't had another guy ready program is or Creighton's program's a program based on development you know like they want to play juniors and seniors while their freshmen and sophomores are working their way into the rotation you know that while they are getting better they they recruit players who they think they can mold into stars when they're juniors and seniors and um that's the ideal sort of which is what Michigan State does what yeah, we were talking about right. off the air like that's the in my opinion that's how you win in college basketball mm-hmm. right uh, that's especially for school it's unrealistic to think that Creighton's going to get one and dones mm-hmm. so how else are you going to do it you're going to have to develop and so um the old coaching adage is get old stay old mm-hmm. that's what Creighton's trying to do but it's had a hard time doing that I think because you know it, it's hard I guess it's hard I shouldn't say it's it is difficult to do that when you lose guys 
at the earlier stages of their, their development. Mm-hmm. Now, again, you don't fault Samson Frohling for wanting to go play pro ball. You don't fault um, Justin Patton, who wanted to leave after his retro freshman year. You don't fault Kyrie Thomas, who wanted to leave after his junior year. Um, you, you don't fault a guy like Kobe Paris, who came in. He was kind of like a, a long shot recruit at the end of a class. He needed a place to go. Creighton had a spot. He joined the team, but he left after a year. It's like you don't fault any of those guys for leaving, and you don't you understand that you know at the time it wasn't like I mean Patton and Kyrie those are big blows, but um, oh even a guy like Ronnie Harrell he left after his junior year, graduated, and went to uh, Denver to play with uh, his cousin, um, play for his cousin. Like you understand those decisions, but I think the tough part for the Jays is like they're trying to. They want to get to a point where they're playing. They're, they've got their guys. The guys who are on the court are the guys that they've developed, and they're not playing guys who are still developing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or they're not relying on a roster that is still developing. Which mm-hmm. this year, the whole roster essentially um, was still developing, mm-hmm. and so I think you want to get to a point where they're developed, and you have your younger guys in the program who are developing, mm-hmm. and so that to me is is a question. It's like it might be one of the bigger keys as to whether or not Creighton can either get over the hump or, or have some sustained success and be less like we talked about earlier up and down, like where it has the pulse and those pulses are very different than the, the peaks are different than the valleys. You want to kind of bring those closer together. I think the, you, know, you it becomes more real, realistic to do that. If you're um, able to kind of track, if guys, guys are in the program as young, as young players and they stay and develop and, yeah. um, Again, it's kind of hard to do in this day and age of college basketball, but um, I think that's the goal. And so that was my takeaway from it. Again, we'll see if Creighton's able to find a, a piece or uh, a, another big man to to help support that depth. And, mm-hmm. you know, if Martin Crumple comes back, you can get by with three bigs. That's it's essentially what the Jays did this year um, with Froling, Christian Bishop, and Martin Crumple because Jacob Epperson was hurt. So you bring Epperson back. He's on track to return to the team and be good to go for the start of the season. They think he's going to be ready in the summer. Um, so you Epperson, Christian Bishop, and if Martin Crumple comes back, you're fine. But lose one of those guys, then suddenly it's a depth question, and then we're having a similar conversation that we had last year when Martin Crumple went down uh, to a knee injury, and the year before that when Maurice Watson went down uh, to a knee injury. Like, who is ready to take that next, mm-hmm. to, to step into that role? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's kind of the challenge that Creighton faces, I think. True. Just while you were talking, I started thinking in my head about um, I think Creighton and Nebraska games are going to be really fun the next couple of years. Because Fred's going to oh, want to run. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, the pace. Fred's going to want to run. Greg's going to want to run. They're going to try and outrun each other. I would think so. They might both score 112 points. Yeah, the, the excitement level it's is going to be awesome. It's going to be That's going to be fun. Incredible. Yeah. And, and I feel it, like the rivalry could use some of that, too. Yeah, you could use... Well, I don't know. It felt pretty... I mean, yeah, the passion was at the I mean, hot, at its yeah. peak in Lincoln last year. I that's don't true, know. If, that's true. But it, I, I think feel it was like already it, trending to that direction anyway. But. but don't you think that it could use like a couple more overtime games? The the like no. eighty six eighty six going they do overtime. Need some thrilling mm. games. Like mm. we ha- when's the last time that these two teams have played? Because Creighton won seven in a row by double digits, right? Yeah, they weren't yeah. even close. No. So like maybe that game in Lincoln when Creighton beat Tim Miles's team after came back. The tournament that uh, 14, 14 15. 15 team mm-hmm. that one was at least in doubt toward the end, but yeah. they ended up winning by 10. I think, yeah. I think, uh, um, Austin Chapman had to hit like a shot, maybe they were up four or five or something down the stretch, and, and hit a big, it, yeah. big shot to that was the dagger. But 
yeah, like wait, it's been a while. So <laughs> that I, that yeah. I guess to your point of yeah. just the let's sit down and watch an awesome basketball game. Yeah. That I feel like we have not seen that from this. Yeah. This rivalry hasn't produced sort of the epic moments, the uh, the buzzer beaters, yeah. the back and forth finishes. Uh, you know what? The, the other game that the game in in Omaha two or last yeah, season, it was two years ago. Where Marcus, yeah. I guess I, I I admitted that one. Marcus, Marcus Foster three, had yeah. hit a three. There was. So I mean, they, Nebraska was ahead, been. but that game was kind of a a grind. I mean, Nebraska's only way to win that game was to really grind it down, yeah. and kind of make things ugly. Yeah. And it did that very successfully. But yeah. Fred Hoiberg's style was not that, and he'll no, try to run. And so, no. if Nebraska, like the only bl- bl- blueprint for Nebraska to win was make it ugly, and they almost did it. Yeah, uh, Marcus Foster had to hit a shot with like ninety seconds left to seal it. But you know, he's gonna. It, 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 this is gonna be a back yeah. and forth thing so i think that's going to be a lot it's going to be funny too because and this i only know this because i just spent time in the archives but like jerry bush the way that jerry bush beat kansas with wilt chamberlain was in shot clock dude i was i I read your story and i was cringing as you as you're accounting this i'm like oh god so they just stood there at half court and they waited for ku to decide not to play zone which okay is genius because then Wilt isn't just standing there swatting away everything, but like Jerry Bush just slowed it way down and the guy's two biggest wins. And Fred is like the opposite type of coach. We're like, right. we're just going to go as fast as possible. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, all right. If Nebraska and Creighton played today, who you got? Well, Nebraska doesn't really have a team still, so I'd probably okay. take Creighton. Me too. They yeah. got a coach though. They so, have a coach. Yeah. That's the first thing that you need. Right. Oh, we haven't, I don't, we have to, I mean, Isaiah Roby uh, entered the NBA draft. Yeah. We talked about that last week. Did we? Okay. Bit. I don't know if we did. We, did, we don't need to. Be official. He officially is NBA draft. Yeah. We'll see what he does. I think right. we'll, and same with, we'll, we'll figure out Notable, what the roster looks like. You talked to him and, and what he said that he's already been in contact with Hoiberg. Is that so right? Hoiberg called him. Yeah. Hoiberg called him the day that Hoiberg was hired. Yeah. Which I think that's and I, and I, which is which is an interesting thing because I was like, is he calling everybody or did he just call you? And he's like, I think he just called me. Yeah. So Weberg understands like Roby's Roby's importance. Mm-hmm. So as we said last week, so if you missed that, check out last week. We yeah. Talked. Sorry, so we, I didn't. I didn't realize. No, I didn't. We I don't went, remember if we had talked. We about went for it. about five or six minutes about Roby, the decision oh, why right. you would go pro, that's right, that's right, or why you would stay, or what's the advantages to declaring now and testing the waters. Mm-hmm. And so if you missed it. Check back on last week's podcast, yeah. probably about, I don't know, the 25-minute mark or so. Yeah. All right. We'll Fun. see you next week. We're both going to the Final Four. Oh, yeah. Final Four this week. Yeah. You got any uh, prediction? We both um, picked Virginia to win it at the start, so I don't know. Are you wavering from that at all? Um, I mean, I picked North Carolina in my bracket. Oh, you did? I thought yeah. you picked Virginia. No, you picked, I picked him to the Final Four? I picked him to the Final okay, Four, yeah. Bad. I got two right. I got Virginia and Texas Tech right. Um, I think Michigan State might win it all, which like, I, don't, I don't love. Like I don't love that. Matchup with Texas Tech, but I feel like they could beat Virginia, and I feel like they could beat Auburn. It, but I have no clue what's going to actually happen. I think Virginia has been the best team from start to finish. I think Texas Tech is playing the best now. Here, here's what I or can maybe see. Auburn is playing the best. Here, no, I think Texas. Okay, Tech but think about them. this. Okay, here's they're playing in a big stupid football stadium. Nobody shoots well in big stupid football stadiums. Who does that advantage? Texas Tech, Virginia. We're going to have a 35-37 national title game. Virginia wins. Right. That's probably what's going to happen. Well, we'll be there to <laughs> document it and watch it. So thanks we'll for your time, Chris. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week.